Hello and welcome to episode 754 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Wednesday, November 13th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on, man? Nothing much, just stealing signs. Oh, how are you stealing them? Electronically, of course, because that's the best way uh, to do it. Then I've got, I've, I've got a problem with you, man. Can't do it. Podcast over. I can't trust your takes. You're getting your takes fed to you. I think Danielle is telling you what I'm going to ask you beforehand, mm-hmm. and so then you're going to know how to answer. This oh, is yeah, garbage. No, I, I have the complete like show notes already in front of me. Like they've been. Ah, this uh, this entire podcast is compromised. Yeah, I'm disgusted. Yeah. I'm absolutely disgusted. Well, we'll proceed, but you, under you, pro- protest, without a doubt. You, you you play to win the game, dude. No, no, no. Um, I will say, by the way, just quickly on the Houston Astros thing, I. I can't. It, it can't stand. Like it's it's awful. It is in nowhere near the same vein as a player trying to give something from second base or even first base. And uh, I think it's completely beyond the pale. And they need to be punished on, on a level that uh, actually means something to deter it. Uh, I'm gonna agree to disagree there. Why? I, I think every team does this. That what? Well, what does that matter? It doesn't. But I mean, the whole the whole everybody like up in arms about it. Like we don't know that this isn't happening. Uh, I agree with you. I, th- I think they should punish them. They should pun- punish them severely so other teams don't do it. I don't think they will. Um, and I think it's very disingenuous when they do, because was there was like a report uh, earlier this morning about how uh, the majority of players polled in this poll that they did say that the Brewers are the team that steals the most times electronically. Now, there's no, like, you know, official confirmation on that, no player coming out from the Brewer, or formerly from the Brewer, saying, you know, they do this. But every team does this. Every team tries to gain an advantage. I like this, though. Every team tries to gain an advantage, but the teams, like, the Red Sox got in trouble with the with the, uh, the Apple Watch. And, you know, when you're taking it that far... I don't think it can be hand waved as well. Everyone does it. Oh, see, I I think everybody actually does it. Like I I don't think that this is unique to the Astros doing it the way they've done it. So I I think that every team has something, whether it be exactly this or, or some version of this. Um, and I think it's you know I think that's a way to make yourself feel better about it. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't have a, I don't, I mean, well, I do kind of like, have a horse in the race because they beat the Dodgers <laughs> this way. Well, yeah. uh-huh. Maybe if they had played the Giants in the World Series, I'd feel a little bit differently about it. Sure. But I, I just, and maybe I'm being cynical. Maybe that's the problem is I, I think sure. that they're all cheating uh, and, and, and trying to gain that competitive advantage uh, as uniquely as they can. Well, uh, it, it certainly doesn't to, seem to have, led to much in terms of benefit that's not the point though either because the folks who are saying like their home numbers in 2017 which is when this stuff is from not that, that was the only time that they did it uh that their home numbers were worse than their road number. that's not the point the success of it is really not the point it's the fact that they're aggressively cheating and using technology which is explicitly uh against the rules yeah I uh, it, it aren't isn't uh, aren't they being investigated for the same thing that Cardinals did, <laughs> uh, too? 
uh, wasn't well, that broken as well. So I mean, that's that's where Lunau's from. So yeah, well, I maybe mean, he brought it with him. the The bottom line, okay, the, the one thing I don't like is the second that we hear something like this is, well, other teams do it too. Be that as it may, because again, I'm not going to be naive enough to think that they're the only ones doing it. They're in the crosshairs right now. Mm-hmm. They're being exposed. That's all that matters right now is is addressing what they're doing. As other teams are caught, we can deal with them. But to minimize it in any capacity just because other teams do it, I don't I, I yeah, I don't think that they're the only team that does anything. Yeah, obviously not. There's no same with like when a team, you know, when somebody gets in trouble for pine tar or whatever the case that is. That sort of stuff is rampant. But what other teams are doing right now is irrelevant to the situation regarding the Astros. They've been caught red-handed, and they need to be punished for it. I, I don't have a problem with it either way. I you know. Okay. You what you might have a problem with though is Gabe Kapler coming out to San Francisco. Uh, it was looking like he was going to be Giants' new manager pretty quickly after he was fired. To be honest, they were there were some other candidates out there, but. His links to Farhan Zaidi uh, bridge back to when they're both in the Dodgers organization. So it really kind of set up that way. And that's, in fact, uh, how it goes. As a Giants fan, how did you feel? Uh, I mean, not to be too hot takey, but I don't care. <laughs> I know a lot of people are really right. upset for a number of reasons. Uh, I told you prior to starting, and I, I told my wife last night, and she got really upset at me. Uh, after the announcement and me saying this is I don't think any person they would have hired uh, would be part of the next good Giants team. Sure. I, I don't think that's that's particularly unfair because he'd have to have, what, a 12-year tenure? I mean, yeah, 15 I mean, it's, years? Well, they gave him a three-year contract. Like, how good are they going to be in three years? Like, uh, <laughs> I, well, I just... And, the, you know, there's still a team in, in – a weird spot right now. Like, what what does this team do? Obviously, they uh, Bumgarner and Smith, the two guys that probably could have netted the most via trade, are now gone via free agency, and uh, they'll get picks for both. Um, but what what are what are did the move? Give, where where uh, is this team? Did they give the qualifying offer to Smith? I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, because he's one of the ones that's uh, thought to possibly be. Uh, could who could possibly accept it? Yeah, if you look on our free agent tracker, uh, Baumgartner and and Smith got it. Yeah, he better accept that. <laughs> so I I can't imagine any team considering the uh, uh, kind of the stage of where baseball is at right now is going to give him a well, long term deal. Uh, he's not going to beat eighteen. He's not going to beat eighteen mil a year, uh, Will Smith, but. You don't think you can get three, three forty, thirty five, forty? Yeah, like I just don't know. It's hard with the relievers so. on the market too, though. It's not like he's the only. Well, I guess Chapman's now gone, so his uh, left handedness will certainly help. Well, yeah, and and having a breakout year, you know, he was great. And I, I just hate to see like the what happened to Greg Holland happen to him. Sure, no, it, and it it could go sideways. I mean. If I'm a team, I'll tell you, there's no chance I'm signing him, uh, uh, Will Smith, when Drew Pomeranz and even somebody like Jake Diekman, who 
shows flashes, like has has good stuff, and definitely has his flaws. Like he walks the yard, uh, but I, I take him for essentially free by comparison, and of course no pick as you mentioned. That that's something that I would I would rather do. But we'll see. I think Will Harris might have enough juice to at least catch, at least catch like three thirty three, which you're still taking that over the one eighteen. Uh, you know, thirty three million dollars is. Is some it's is is quite nice even if it's uh, uh the AAV pales in comparison to the uh, one one and eighteen of the qualifying offer. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think I think we're gonna see more people take it this year than obviously than usual. Well, I guess not that many well, more because yeah, because who do you even think? I think Abreu takes could. it. No, I think they work a deal with him. Well, but when you want to take it and then work a deal, because <laughs> it's not going to get eighteen mil. Well, he'd like to, but I don't think that that's going to be his option. Yeah, no. They're not going to say, "Hey, Does, you can accept it, and we'll give you two years, Odo three Rizzi years on top." Take it? Zach Wheeler, like if I'm Zach Wheeler, Wheeler, no chance, no, no. chance. Ugh. He he gets four, he gets four seventy at least, if not four eighty. You think so? Oh, I just yes. don't know. Oh, for sure, dude. He's thirty. He's shown he's shown more than flashes. I mean, he he's been good even this past year. While uh, having some absolute ups and downs, he wound up with a 3.96 ERA and a 1.26 WHIP. That's a damn good season for 195 innings, back to back full seasons. No way, zero percent yeah, chance that right. um, As for Odorizzi, I think he would definitely be on the short list. I think Smith, Abreu, and Odorizzi were the three. Of the ten who got it, that that were believed could accept it. Abreu again, I think he's going to be worked out for a deal, whatever it is, two for thirty-two or something like that, three for uh, forty-five, forty. They're going to work something out. He's staying in Chicago. That seems like a foregone conclusion. Smith, I think he's going to get a much lower AAV, but take it. Odorizzi, I don't know. Here's the thing. The one reason that you are, or the main reason you would accept it, is to uh, improve your value the next year. How would Jake Odorizzi possibly improve upon what he did this year? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I don't think he can. Uh, and and you know, so even even if the AAV isn't co- AAV being average annual value, so the, the dollars per year, even if it's nowhere near the eighteen mil, locking up four years or three years. I think is the right move for a 30-year-old Odorizzi, as long as it's not insulting. You know, I, I don't think he should take 330, but 345, I take that so fast that uh, you know the, the 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 ink can't dry, you know, quick enough on on how fast I would sign that if I'm Odorizzi. So uh, I just got to say though, while while we're talking about this, uh, the roster resource for Agent Tracker on on Fangraphs, it's uh, amazing. It's awesome. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, go to roster resource tab on 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 the top bar. It's the top thing there. Twenty twenty free agent tracker. It has everyone that has a QO. It has our crowdsource results. It has their previous war, their twenty twenty projected war, which we're going to get into some steamer stuff today again. This time on the pitching side, it really is great. Uh, yeah, we're hyping our own thing, but when it's great, it's great, and we're going to hype it yeah, up. Yeah. And I, I think they did a brilliant job with it. I mean, I think we've established that while you are definitely a company man, uh, I, I am not. So I, I, when I actually say something, I mean it. 
Oh, please. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little free agent news. Uh, obviously, things aren't really clicking yet. We're getting minor signings that aren't necessarily fantasy relevant. Let's talk about some guys and some news surrounding them. Let's start How dare with. Dare you uh, besmirch the name of Adam Wainwright and Tyler Flowers? I, I knew you're. I knew you're going to mention Adam Wainwright. It's like, oh, let's dive into that. No, didn't even put it on the list. Uh, Marcelo Zuna being discussed uh, with Cincinnati. And I think that's an interesting move. I think Cincinnati should be aggressive, by the way, and, and be open to making moves that, that really help 2020. I think they're a team who could surprise in 2020, to be quite honest. So I'm, I'm definitely fine with that. What do you think about Ozuna in general as he enters his free agency and as well as uh, staying in the division but shifting over from St. Louis to Cincinnati, if that were to come, come to pass? Because he's going to be a very popular guy in the outfield, White Sox and Rangers, other teams that have uh, expressed some interest. Well, you'd have to like it from his fantasy uh, point of view. Uh, it, it would definitely hurt maybe the prospects of, of Jesse Winker, uh, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. Or, or even, uh, I guess it's got to be Winker, right? So You know what I would think it would speak to? Um, Nick Senzel's health. Because don't forget, he had labrum surgery as well. We've talked a lot about uh, uh, Alberto Mondesi having it. Center. Are they really going to play Winker in center? I guess they can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it won't... listen, this is the team that that put Shinsuchu out there. Not the same regime, so I'm <laughs> that's tongue that's tongue in cheek. And it was like but... a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. It was not the same regime. But well, I, I think they he wasn't the open... same player. I mean, he's not the same player that he was. No, it was literally dude stole 20... like ten bases this year, right? Uh, 15, dude. Yeah. He yeah. went 24-15. Shinsu Chu is still awesome. And he's going to be 37 next year, and, and I love it. He's still underrated, yeah. Oh, he's, he was one of my favorite players in Cleveland. Uh, he had a great year in Cincy, that one-off year. And then he's he's been solid in Texas whenever healthy. And uh, after a, a bunk 2016 where he only played 48 games, he's been healthy for three full seasons now. 149, 146, 151 for Chu. Uh, but, yeah, so they, they've shown that they're not uh, averse to putting – non-traditional center fielders out there at this point uh, since they've since they moved on from Billy Hamilton. So he could fit one of the corners. Does this, would a Marcelo Zuna, uh, would some interest in him speak to their confidence in like an Aristides Aquino? Oh, I, I it's hard to kind of tell what they're thinking. I, I think that this is a front office that wants to win and win now. Yeah. And they've put a lot of stock into 2020 uh, as the year that they're going to try to really compete. So I've got a I, hell of a rotation. Uh, yeah. And I, and I don't know if, so I don't necessarily know that it means they've lost any faith in any particular player or they're just trying to make improvements where they can. Yeah. They're just trying to make the team better. You mentioned Jesse Winker, um, who, who himself has been dealing with injury issues quite a bit. So you look at that and Senzel in concert with both of them injured, getting a, a lockdown outfielder like Ozuna could be nice for them. I think Ozuna is going to hit pretty well wherever he goes, barring, you know, some if he somehow went to San Francisco, which obviously I'd, is unlikely to happen in any capacity. But uh, the teams he's being rumored to, the White Sox, Rangers, and Reds all have pretty solid parks. Uh, the Rangers will have a a retractable roof, so they won't have as favorable. The, the climate won't be playing as much favor as it has in the past, but you still like what uh, Marcelo Zuna can 
do. I want to move on to the Garrett Cole news that we got, and it wasn't anything special. It was actually pretty bad uh, as, as far as what we want, which is action. And it's that uh, he's unlikely to sign before 2020, before the calendar turns to January. And we probably could have guessed that, especially based on recent free agent markets. But it's still kind of a bummer. I was, you know, I'm, I'm hoping probably against hope that uh, that we can get some action at the winter meetings and actually have some things move before the turn of the uh, turn of the year. But it looks like that uh, he's going to be holding out and listening to all his offers, taking all his meetings and then decide something closer to January. What do you think about that with regards to Garrett Cole? It's super annoying, <laughs> especially as a fantasy writer who yes. is putting together his you know third annual draft guide for friends of fantasy benefits. Uh, uh, not being able to like put where these guys are uh, is super annoying. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you know somebody like Garrett Cole, things aren't going to change that much, but you still just want to know. You want to write. And you want to have uh, put those thoughts down about where he's going to be and, and have that sort of uh, it's have less that. about him and more about the team he's going to affect. Exactly. He, he changes yeah. the dynamics of whatever team he signs with. If he signs great with the Angels, somebody in that rotation is going to be out of a rotation spot. So, you know, maybe, you know, uh, I don't know, Patrick Sandoval isn't in the rotation next year. Mm-hmm. You know, or, no doubt. Or Jose Suarez, you know, it, it goes back down to the minor leagues or something like that. So uh, it's it's just frustrating from especially if like you're an early drafter and you're trying to, you know, in some of those 50 round drafting holds, which I'm going to start one up, I think, pretty quickly here. It's really hard yeah. to like, you know, nail some of those later guys, uh, you know, the the 40 round guys uh that you're hoping might get a rotation spot if he then ends up signing, you know, with them. Yeah, and, and then you can wind up not uh, not getting any sort of value out of those guys that you thought could be interesting fifth starters. I, I feel you on that, and so we'll we'll just keep waiting on Cole and and see what's what. I'm sure there'll be tons of misdirect and all sorts of news. Speaking of a potential misdirect, I, I am not. This report will be cited quite a bit going forward here. But it's the idea that the Padres uh, will spend more in 2020, but they don't plan to fit the biggest contracts into their payroll. With the headline basically being that Cole, neither Cole nor Strasburg, uh, is likely to be part of the Padres. I'm I'm not buying this. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't I'm buy not it either. I'm not like I used to be naive enough to take this stuff at face value years ago, where I'd be like, okay, well that's San Diego's off the list. I can't think of any right now, which uh, weakens my argument. But I guarantee we could go back and 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 pour through reports of free agents and and where they signed and find reports that said that they were not going to be a part of Team X, and then they were absolutely a part of Team X. I'm not. Don't lose hope, Padres fans, because I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I mean, maybe like this. Take... I'm not. I, I'm not saying. I want to say. I'm not saying that they're 100% getting him. I'm just saying they're not out on uh, – Padres are not out on Strasburg. I don't, I don't buy that that's what we're doing here. I mean, you look at their roster and you go, what do they need? They need starting pitching. Yeah. And how good is that rotation going to look 
at the, you know, halfway point of 2020 with uh, Garrett Richards, Chris Paddock, uh, Strasburg, you know, from Nelson Lamette. You know, and well, McKen- and then you, then you throw Gore up there. Yeah, Mackenzie Gore on the way and uh, one of the so, most intriguing pitching prospects in when, baseball. When he's your fourth starter uh, and then, you know, whoever out of, you know, Lamette, uh, Lucchese and Quantrill fills in that fifth role. Uh, like that is a dynamic. You have to go do that, right? They become, I mean, obviously they're not the favorites, but they're they're def in, in the in the West. But they definitely become the number two team, right? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's an argument yeah, for it, them before that happens. So if, if, if yeah, it, right now that there's an argument of them taking another step forward, and obviously if um, if they can get a full season out of somebody like Tatis, who was headed for just an amazing year. They've got a lot of interesting talent. They've got talent on the way, like you mentioned with Gore. Um, if they put a front liner there, like a Strasburg or a Cole, and I, I think Strasburg is the more obvious one because uh, of his ties to San Diego. But dang, that team looks looks so much more interesting. Now, it this same article says, hey, you know, they're, they're going to be in on like the Wheeler Odorizzi. It's not that they're just eschewing uh, pitching. It's it's Strasburg and Cole specifically. Again. I just don't buy it. I think it's uh, it's just putting something out in the news there to maybe, you know, um, uh, influence the the potential negotiations. Yeah, I, I don't I don't buy it either. I, I think that like you look at kind of because of the amount of people who signed in season, like the second tier of uh, free agents just aren't super exciting. No. And so, especially when it comes to the pitching, so unless they're going to go and get, like, a Cole Hamels. Uh, who is also from uh, he, another oh. one who plays into that uh, area of, uh, yeah, born born in San Diego, went to San Diego High School. So, you know, that'd be another hometown guy coming through. Like, I just don't understand, would, like, where do you improve your team if you don't go after a big starting pitcher? Like I, I, you look at their roster and you go, I mean, are are they gonna go and get, uh, a Will Smith and and really just have a super bullpen, or like I, I honestly I don't really know that there is a spot that dramatically improves their team by spending in free agency unless it's a starting pitcher. I agree, I agree, and so I think they'll be in on all of the guys still. Um, you know, if, if things don't work out and, and they, they actually can't sign Strasburg, uh, that's okay. I just don't believe that this is the end of it on November 13th. I think that Do that's... Do you think that this is quick. like a hedging their bets type thing? Like where they can yeah. be like, well, we were never really in on him anyways when he's Correct. like re-signs in Washington or goes to the Abso- or whatever. Absolutely. freaking it's, okay. it's, it's meant to protect them and to... Uh, maybe work against the Strasburg camp a little bit. Like we're not even looking at you. We're not even interested. Yeah, but we have, isn't it we have Boris, somebody like else that we're interested in. I know it's it, all posturing. It's devil crap. magic. Like he doesn't matter. Like he's gonna get what he wants or close to it. Exactly. Now, again, if the if it doesn't work out and they go like a Wheeler, Odorizzi, or even Hunjin Ryu route, that still improves the team. But I do think being aggressive for somebody like Strasburg, and you go Strasburg, Paddock, Lamette. Richards, Lucchese with Quantrill and, and Gore uh, later in season and Morion and by, you know, the other guys that they've got on the way up. 
that really starts to change things in an interesting way there. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, right now, the report is that they're out, LOL. Um, let's move on. Let's move on to Steamer, talk about some pitching numbers. Now, this one's a little bit different than the hitting ones because I didn't want to just do the leaders because they weren't interesting at all. It was the most obvious. And that's I'm not saying that as like a negative against Steamer or anything. I felt like some of the leaders for the categories uh, with the hitters had a little bit of uh, – uh, there were some interesting guys that kind of stood out. At the top of the ERA and whip and strikeouts, it was the Cole, Scherzer, Sale, all those type of guys. So I went with just guys that uh, that were interesting at the particular categories and then a handful of interesting pitchers who aren't projected for more than 150 innings. So we're going to start with some interesting guys at ERA, whip, and K9 with a minimum of 150 innings. And let's start with ERA. They've got Blake Snell fifth at 341. Now, obviously, he had a challenged year health-wise. And yet, I don't think the market is delivering any sort of discount, on Snell, nor should they, by the way. But uh, do you agree with that? Are you buying right back in on Blake Snell? I am. I, and I feel like th- there is a tiny discount. Uh, but it's more a matter of uh, other pitchers are just being pushed up higher. And so past him as yeah, opposed to any him. sort of so, negative feeling on him. Yeah. Instead of him being like the fourth pitcher off the board, he's the seventh pitcher off the board. Uh, but yeah, he's that's still Blake going Snow. like right in the same spot as he has, or he has been before, which is like a late second round. Yeah. So, which yeah, I'm okay with paying more than likely. I'm not going to have a ton of shares unless I get him in the third, uh, almost every draft or mock I've done so far. I uh, have not taken a pitcher before the uh, third round. Yeah, I mean, um, I actually took Blake Snell in the second round of my pitcher list mock uh, with the fourth to last pick, which would be the ninth pick. Nine, Sounds ten, eleven, right. twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's team. correct. Look at me. I know Math. things. Math. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm here for that. Uh, Steamer is is staying bought in as they should, and um, but when I saw him fifth, I was like, okay, okay, I see it, I see so you it. You took him in the second round, so he went in the fourth round of ours. Man, I compared to your draft, I overdrafted so many guys, but I felt fine picking that. Like I had no qualms about taking Snell there. Um, yeah, he went in the fourth round to uh, raise Homer Yancey Eaton. Snell and Bieber were both there. In fact, Bieber went first pick of the third round. I didn't want to risk neither of them getting back to me. Mm. Yeah, no, that's fair. I took Bieber in the third round and then Flaherty in the fourth. That's good. And you know what? I got to be honest. Maybe I just was too 15-team minded. I I think that's the the issue there. I I, I could totally see that. But again, I have no problem with it. So the guys that went right after there's really only one guy that I'm like, I, I almost took him instead. It was Altuve, Rendon, Evers, Bieber, Judge, Baez, before it got back to my pick. Rendon was the only one that I actually can, I was, I was going between those two, between Rendon and, and Snell. And then I was like, yeah, but if Bieber doesn't make it, that'll be annoying. Um, so I just went ahead and, and, took, uh, and, and took Snell there. But yeah, y'all's pitching. Uh, was weighted on much more here. You sent me your draft board. 
you guys took six guys in the first three rounds. We took four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So the three extra. Yeah, and the only reason I even went after pitchers early in ours is because it's uh, head-to-head categories, and then yes. the the amount of pitching spots we have versus hitting spots we have uh, is disproportionate. And I know it's like straight off of like Yahoo standard leagues, mm-hmm. um, but I mean in a league like this, I, I wanted some pitching, so uh, I ended up taking B, like I said, Bieber in the third. Flaherty in the fourth. I think it was picking eight, seven or eight, something like that. I like your team. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you're seven. Yeah, you got a good squad here. I love this beginning uh, before I even have to scroll, and then I start to see guys like Conforto and Woodruff, and I still like Doolittle. You realize in a, You realize when you play in a league with only three outfielders that <laughs> it's crazy, D. <laughs> Dude, it, and that's I had to keep reminding myself that. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I took bets in the first round, and then I kept passing on outfielders until I took Robles in the seventh because I was like, don't, don't overdraft, don't overdraft. So I kept pushing. But anyway, we got off off tangent there or on a tangent there regarding the drafts because we were talking about Snell. Um, Patrick Corbin at ninth uh, with a 3.55 ERA is not necessarily like a aggressively surprising of like why or anything like that. Just more of that they they're bought in. Like this is a. I, I still think he's a little bit underrated as a potential fantasy ace, even though we have two great years now in, in the in the back with uh, Patrick Corbin. How do you feel about him? Back-to-back 200-inning seasons, and even uh, 2017 was a solid 190 innings of a 4.03 ERA. Where do you stand with, uh, with Patrick Corbin as a fantasy ace? I mean, back-to-back 200 innings, but also 3.15 ERA in 18... 325 ERA in 19. So leaving Arizona in the humidor didn't have a huge effect. Not at all. Negatively. So, uh, I mean, I feel like 355 isn't even giving him enough credit. And I know the projection systems have to kind of bake in some sort of regression because it's yeah. insane and that's what why he's I've done put, the last two years. That's why I put where he was ranked, which was, which was ninth, to give you the idea I that while that's... the ERA is going up, yeah, that, that, that seems totally legit to me. Uh, I think he's he probably should be a top 10 starter. Uh, I don't know that he's going to go uh, as a top 10 starter in draft season. No. Uh, so I feel like he's – there. there is some risk, obviously, with the amount of sliders he throws that something pops one of these days. But, uh, I mean, I just don't think you can play scared in, in that direction. He's been really, really healthy the last three years uh, and really, really good the last two years. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm more than willing to buy. He's one of those guys that I feel like you can get as an low SP one if you wait kind of in this in the same vein and strategy that I've been doing. Yeah. Or you can get Corbin as like a premium SP two if you were going like a pitching heavy approach. And so then if you're pairing like, um, you know, one of the frontliners, uh, Cold Grom, Verlander, Scherzer, Bueller, with Corbin, you're, the front of your rotation is excellent. And you really do feel good about getting those, you know, 400 innings of, of premium work there from your two guys. So I, I like the, setting up. The thing for me is like he's just part of that kind of early glob this year. Yeah. Because, I mean, sure. the, the difference between him and Flaherty and Snell and Luis Castillo and Clevenger, 
like I'll just take whoever is later. Like whoever is yeah, exactly who's, who's ever like you know towards the back of that run for me. So uh, you know probably third round is you know third fourth round you know you grab in him a fifteen and, teamer. Yeah, in a fifteen. Well, I mean he went he went the uh, let's see, yeah fourth round of my twelve teamer. Yeah, four, um, fourth and four, third and in, in fifteen, fourth and twelve for Patrick Corbin. Um, definitely should feel some confidence when you're drafting him, though. I think he's just quietly. You know, he gets he's not super underrated, but he's a little bit underrated and, and he's been a beast. And so I've been uh, appreciative of what he's done. And Steamer appreciates him too. I'm a 355 ERA. Another, another one I want to talk about uh, we mentioned this guy just a moment ago when we were talking about San Diego. Denelson Lamette checks in at 17th with a 375 mark. They're showing some love for Denelson Lamette. And, uh, you know, he closed the season, he came back from Tommy John and impressed i mean first off 34 percent strikeout rate was really nice 73 innings of a 407 era 126 whip that's not bad homers remain a bit of an issue though that's what i think that's what surprised me so much about steamer giving him a sub uh four era projection is because he had a one four back in 2017 and then a one five in this 73 inning sample uh in in 2019 here for denelson lamette so homers have been an issue with him that's where I, that's where I'm a little bit nervous about the ERA, uh, but a, a capable you know 125 level WHIP, boatload of strikeouts. Are you in on Denelson Lamette for 2020? Absolutely not. I just <laughs> I I do not buy uh, that he is a starter. I think that he's a two pitch guy. Is he? He's a one pitch guy. I mean. Oh no, he's no no he's two pitch. He's fastball slide. But I mean that two pitch is a is a concern, right? Like he's literally a two pitch guy though. He does not even fake a third pitch. Yeah. Yeah. It but is. I mean, fastball the fastball is not great either. I mean, it's fast, True. but it's, 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 that's what I meant by, is he a two pitch really even a okay. two pitch guy? Uh, I mean, the slider is great. It It's a money pitch. I, stealing the, uh, the Alex fast and Nick Pollock. Uh, cha-ching. Uh, yeah. Cha-ching. <laughs> Quote, but uh, it's, it's an amazing pitch. It's going to look great in the ninth inning or eighth inning at some point, or even maybe as like a two, three inning reliever. I just, at some point, especially if the Padres sign a, uh, a frontline starter, you know, mm-hmm. Gore is going to come up and they're going to have a number of guys that need to move to the bullpen. And I think his stuff will play amazingly there. And I think that's where his future home is. And, so, I mean, I think a lot of it will depend on where he goes in drafts, but I feel like when you see projections like this, his price is going to start to skyrocket. People are going to go, whoa, he's got a sub-4 ERA, and he's going to get you 13 strikeouts per nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, they're projecting him. Like, oh, I don't understand the projection of the home run rate. Like, How does the home run rate come down from where it's been virtually his entire career? No, literally his entire career. Yeah. It's been a one. It's it's been a one four or higher, and they've got him at one two. That 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 stood out to me with the Nelson Lamette, and and that's why uh, a sub four projection I thought was tough. I, I'm kind of living with him as a four two projection with a boatload of K's and a passable whip, and then you kind of play it from there. I'm a little bit nervous too, and I do think he's starting to get some some hype, oh, and I think I, that I that hype will continue. The, the whip projection is one two two like. 
I yeah. Yeah, they love them. I, they, they, good for they, them. For, they will not be on any of my teams. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens with Nelson Lamette, but I I think wherever you've been taking him now, if if you're a believer, enjoy those prices because it's going to get higher. Y'all had him in your 11th round. He was the 13th in ours. I think Lamette's going to trickle up, especially as people start to see these. If if other projections are kind of in the same realm, and he's really starting to get a good projection set, people are going to be high on on oh, yeah. Well, and people love him. I mean, they, and they have for a while. And he's got his he's got his proponents for sure. He's definitely had he, def, and he definitely has his big backers. He definitely helped people down the stretch, even though he had a what is like a four oh seven ERA. Like the amount of strikeouts he got you in the stretch run. I mean, in 73 innings, he had 105 strikeouts. So That's crazy. I mean, especially for those people who played, like, the head-to-head, head-to-head points or head-to-head categories. Like, he was a supremely valuable pitcher. And I, I don't think that that isn't what he still will – I mean, he'll still be that. Uh, I just be strikeout guy, yeah. I think the idea that he's going to get 175 innings after – pitching 73 last year with a chance that he could move to the bullpen is really, really lofty projection. I think the Nelson Lamette, you know, we talk about, we talk so much about uh, some of the negative stuff that happened in, in August and September with guys going down the folks who like lost a premium pitcher, but then plugged into Nelson Lamette and, and, and won leagues with him, you know, his ERA wasn't off the charts. It was a 407 during that time. But all of those strikeouts and a capable whip, he filled in adequately. If you were if you were struggling, you know, if if a, if a Chris Sale was, you know, uh, not there for you, or you were waiting for Tyler Glass now to return, and he didn't really return until late in September, Lamette really carried the torch there in the final three months for some folks. Like Let's even, move over to whip. Well, oh, even, even just give me like what his career totals are in terms of. You know, eleven and a half, twelve strikeouts per nine, and a four three mm-hmm. seven ERA. Like that's with a one twenty five whip. Like, yeah, that the, whip is is fine. Like that that is yeah that is a very usable pitcher, especially in today's age. I just think the hype is going to get unreal on him. Yeah, that's why I'm project. That's why my projection would start at four twenty, um, and 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 the, this has him at three seventy five. So we'll see where Lomac goes, but I think it's going to be up, up, up. Let's talk whip a little bit, and um, one of his teammates and another guy, Carlos Carrasco and Chris Paddock, tied at 117. I like to see that that projections are still strong on on Carlos Carrasco. It's great that he ended the season on the mound. I think he's a little bit forgotten right now. Obviously, for those that don't recall, he battled leukemia this year, got back on the mound, and finished the season pitching out of the bullpen in September. Had a few wonky starts, but uh, a few wonky outings. But for the most part, was himself, you know, was missing bats and looking strong out there. 17 strikeouts in his 15 innings. Like I said, uh, a couple multi-inning or multi-run outings boosted the ERA. Don't really care at that point. We were just wanting to see him back on the mound. And uh, he's going to go back to starting, though. That was just because, you know, they were uh, they weren't going to tax him too much and try to make Carlos Carrasco start. But what kind of expectation do you have? For Carrasco next year, do you, do you go back to treating him as a, a premium fantasy starter? Yeah, he's one of the guys, and you throw Andrew Heaney's in this category of guys with a, a really nice projected whip, uh, in, in kind of the same category of guys that are going to be underrated because 
uh, of what their year was last year and what the surface numbers stay. But if you go back and watch these guys pitch, they looked like the stud versions of themselves Mm -hmm. uh, when they were on the mound. And that's what I care about. So uh, I totally buy the projection uh, that, that we're seeing. I, my my biggest concern with Carrasco would obviously be innings, and if you know, hopefully, uh, the fact that he got back on the mound means the cancer treatments are going well, and this isn't something we're going to have to worry about uh, or you know weigh in too heavily coming into 2020. So, I, we're getting a nice little discount. So I think a guy, a guy like Carrasco can be your SP two uh, and really uh, really give you kind of a ton of added value where he's going, especially if you're waiting on starting pitcher. Yeah, for sure. Um, if, yeah, if I like what you said there, because if you are somebody who chooses to wait, in fact, both of the folks that took Carrasco in our draft and he went in the ninth round in yours and eighth round in mine, those two teams, Gray Albright's team and uh, Nick Pollock, they both waited a little bit. Neither took a starter in the first three rounds. In fact, Gray was four uh, five, excuse me. So he got Giolito in the fifth and then Carrasco in the ninth. That's an inter- excellent one-two combo. And Pollock went Corbin Carrasco in the fourth and eighth. And was, for the I cost... Like 27th or 28th starting pitcher off the board in my draft? Yeah, for the cost, you can't tell me that that doesn't feel great. Uh, you know, to get to get that that pairing right there of those two and still have waited a bit on pitching and, and stacked up the hitting gray went Bregman Freeman Springer Baez before getting his first pitcher and Nick went trout Rendon judge. And so I think that both those guys did it well and made Carrasco their SP two with a very capable, uh, secondary SP one there in Corbin and Giolito respectively. So that's very interesting. I am happy that, that he finished the, that Carrasco finished the season on the field and pitching be eager to draft him some next year as well. Paddock was also tied for that projection at 117. He had a brilliant year. Uh, he, he really, really did. And they got him to the finish line with a, just a little bit of finagling for the most part. He got 141 innings of a 333 and .98 whip. Did not walk guys, but more importantly, did not give up hits. Um, and again, we know the projections, you're, you're not going to see like sub one whip projections and sub three ERA projections. That's just not the way the projection systems work. So this is a, a, you know, a, a strong projection here for Chris Paddock. What do you see from him in year two? I think maybe we'll see, uh, I think part of the, what happened was his load management got to him and he kind of tired uh, there in the middle part of the season. Uh, and I think what we'll see next year is that not happen. And yeah. a guy who's more consistent throughout the entire year, because you got to a point where it was hard to run him out there. Uh, but I just think he, I, I, the hype was so unreal on him coming into this year and the the fact that people are now paid off yeah people are running away from it after it paid off um seems a little silly to me so. i i agree i i'm not going anywhere on paddock uh after the season that and the, the the thing was you're right because there was that wonky part of his season where it was tough but you had to keep running him out or else you were going to miss the starts because he would he would have yeah, a bad start did. And then bounce right back 
And so you, you couldn't really take him out, even though sometimes he was hurting you, particularly in August. He, you talk about the season hitting him. That rookie wall really came through, uh, for particular for his first four starts in August. Chris Paddock allowed six, three, four, and six. He had a 10.06 ERA in those 17 innings. Still 17 strikeouts against four walks, but six homers. So the stuff just wasn't quite as crisp. But then his final four starts of the season, he closed out brilliantly. 0.77 ERA with 32 strikeouts against four walks and 23 and a third. I, yeah, I would I would be more inclined to push Paddock up, not to push him down at, in any capacity after the season that we just saw. Just another one of these guys where if I decide instead of going for the quote unquote SP ones and just double tapping SP twos, then I'm going to feel real good walking out of a draft with uh, Luis Severino and Chris Paddock as my my first two starters. And uh, just for context there, this 117 whip projection for them, uh, for Carrasco and Paddock, is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. It's tied for the seventh best total among guys with 150 innings or more in the projection system. So they are really, really well regarded here uh, with Carrasco and Paddock. Let's jump down just a quick one level here to James Paxson at 118. His first year in New York was certainly uh, filled with some ups and downs. I don't know how to feel about James Paxton these days. As a former, you know, big time advocate, when he just going to New York last year uh, put me off a little bit. I was nervous because he developed a home run issue. And I was like, well, this is not going to be the place to fix it. And it wasn't. And home runs remained. And uh, so I, th- I think it keeps his ERA pretty high. We now have the, the 298 that he had in 2017 is far and away just the absolute clear outlier in his record. It's going to be his career year almost certainly. Other than that, 390, 379, 376, 382. He's a high three ZRA guy, strong whip more often than not, and big Ks. That's that's perfectly fine. And his win total should, you know, it, it's it's favored by being in New York. Is, is James Paxton just a solid workhorse uh sp2 in your estimation yeah he's and he's exactly the kind of guy that i love to grab because pitching in new york while yes it sucks for home runs uh and it's gonna they're gonna be those outings that really hurt you especially if you're like in a head-to-head type format but i mean i tend to play in roto and uh i just worry about kind of the sum the sum total over the course of the season uh and he's gonna get wins like it's, he's playing in New York on one of the best teams in baseball. He's going to get strikeouts. Uh, he's going to have a nice whip. Uh, you know, if the, if the ERA gets a little bloated here and there, I'll, I'll figure out ways to kind of supplement that. But uh, I just think he's, again, another underrated asset and one of those guys that you can – I mean, if you're pairing him and Carrasco or him and Paddock, you're probably feeling pretty good. He was, I think, my one of my – either my first or second pitcher in the AFL draft. Yeah, no, I'm with you on on the exact assessment that you have there. It's just, like I I started this by saying I don't really know how to deal with Paxton, but I guess I guess this is the right way to just say you know what, he's just an SP two, and that's I shouldn't say just he is a strong firm SP two, nothing more, but probably nothing less either. And, with well, home and- runs, the RA could go up a little bit, but I think the whip 
wins and strikeouts would counterbalance it, even even in a uh, negative. Who's to say that a second-year pitching in New York doesn't give him a better chance to figure out how to pitch in New York? So sure, like, yeah. Like so maybe they, there is they're, some they're potential. They're projecting the home runs to go up, uh, or at least the home run per nine to go up, uh, and well, and the innings to go up. So yeah, the home runs to go up. So and I would probably go the other way, and I'm not going to go like an extreme amount the other way, but like I. I I can't imagine he's a smart guy. He's, uh, you know, he's a good pitcher. And I can't imagine that he hasn't figured out at least a few tricks to kind of try to beat some of those, uh, you know, short porch home runs. So uh, I I think that this is going to be, you know, with Paxton, it's always health. You don't want to pair him with a guy. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to pair him with, you know, well, maybe Carrasco is a a really good example of someone you don't want to pair him with. Maybe you pair him with uh, Brios instead. Like a guy I guess you know the is going to get 200 innings. Where the hell do they get 186 innings? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. They're, they're 121, 136, 160, 151 are Paxton's the, numbers. I guess that's the whole part yeah. that makes Steamer, him a little Steamer bit. is very optimistic about 2020 being a year where people don't get hurt. Okay, hey, you know, I'm here for it. I, if I could sprinkle health dust on the league, I would, man. I don't, I don't like when guys get hurt. Uh, either so okay yeah I think we've settled on that then that Paxton is uh, has his challenges but he's a solid SP2 even factoring the uh, innings question mark there because in today's game when so few guys are even going a buck 80 the fact that he goes you know you put if you put him down for 155 165 the numbers that he gives you high three ZRA solid uh, low one twos whip or better by the way um, and a ton of Ks that can play, that can absolutely play and be your SP two without without a problem. So he, okay, he's well, my he's my pitcher version of uh you know punting batting average, you know maybe yeah, maybe we'll get punting, lucky. <laughs> I'm punting innings in in ERA yes. uh, and and hoping that maybe I get lucky this year with him. He has the talent. Yeah, yeah. Paxton We've absolutely has the talent. We've seen it before. Your boy Heaney, you mentioned him briefly here. Uh, One nineteen is his is his whip projection. That's nice. That's that's really nice to see. I know you love him, uh, so you don't really need to tell us how much you love him. How about you tell us a little more as to why you love him? Because um, you know he certainly showed flashes this year. He, there were some really excellent uh, outings there. I know he beasted on Texas a couple times. That really. Looked like he was rolling in the right direction. I think he finished poorly, and that kind of tanked his numbers uh, up to a 4.91 ERA. But he, Heaney, he also, e- even with that, go ahead. I was going to say, he also had some outings in which the Angels just didn't have any option but to just keep letting him throw. They, they let him wear it, yeah. And, and I think that the, the numbers are really, really inflated in, in kind of that direction. So, But he looked good on the mound. He's coming off of Tommy John surgery, and – uh, through, uh, you know, or not uh, coming off of injury and uh, and through 95 innings uh, was impressive at the end of the season in spite of what the numbers say. Uh, I just think that this is a guy that, one, he's kind of fantasy kryptonite for me, and so I'm always going to kind of go back to the well on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, I, he has a ton of upside. We've seen ace-like material from him in the past, he just has to stay on the mound. And if he finished out the season strong, we have to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt that he's coming healthy into next season. 
uh, and there's very little price attached to it. He's not super expensive outside of Shelly sniping him for me at AFL, <laughs> uh, which really, really upset me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where he went in your draft, but I got. I think. He, I he guess hasn't gone. I, oh, he hasn't gone in your draft. Yeah, I got sniped we're not on him. I that think that far. You know, we're what way behind you. You guys are in the twenty-first, and we're finishing the fourteenth. Last year on this date, we were at pick fifty. So, like, I feel pretty good about where we are this year. Last year, yeah, I'm just brutally slow. I'm, I'm not. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, Yancey, um, Yancey Eaton. Uh, sniped him from me in the 14th round. Like it, I, I see that, and like, that I'll tell feels you what. like a really good spot for him. And 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 really with the with the other guys that are going in that same spot, Luke Weaver coming off of injury, another guy I really like. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Caleb Smith coming off of being Caleb Smith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Suck it out, fast. <laughs> uh, so like I think that's a, a good spot for him as like an SP four, SP five, uh, and. Uh, I think there's a uh, plenty of upside there. Tell you what, I'm five picks away from picking. He makes it. Know. He's mine. He would join Snell, Severino, Hader, Sonny Gray, Lozardo, and uh, Kenta Maeda. I really like that rotation. And I'd, ha- I'd have no problem doing like that. So, Andrew too. Heaney. What's that? I like your outfield, too. Thank you. Betts, Robles, Castellanos, um, oh, Rizzo, Rizzo, Torres. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just he kind of just was there, and I thought he was like the last great first base. Well, he and Goldie, and I I took Rizzo over Goldie, uh, but they were the last two like lo- locked in first basemen. I will say I love looking there. at these early result drafts and stuff like that because, like you said, there are like certain guys in my draft that you go, oh man, I, I took that guy away earlier, and then I go over your draft and look like, oh, DVR got Matt Olson in the seventh. Like, I, yeah, and like. Freaking uh, Alex Fast got Muncie in the eleventh, and I took him in the sixth, and I had zero qualms about it. I was like, I'm, 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 "This yeah. is where Muncie's going." So it's, it's always so interesting it is to crazy. see these, you know, these early drafts and uh, kind of where guys fall before we have an ADP to work off. Well, of. and that's talent globs personified, though. Like that's, you know, saying I'm fine with him here, but he could go as low as here, depending on the group of of you know, 11 to 14 people that you're drafting with or nine, I should say, if you're in a 10 team league. But uh, yeah, that's exactly how I feel as well. And we'll get more into our drafts when they're finished, which actually shouldn't be too long. Now we're kind of, you guys are home stretching it, but we're going to be done tomorrow. Yeah. And we'll be done um, by Christmas for sure. So we'll get into that then. Uh, Matthew Boyd, a 121 whip. Now, the home runs obviously were an absolute nightmare for Boyd and, and really kind of tanked what was a, a, a brilliant first half for sure. Bottom line, he still was a 456-123 uh, ERA whip combo with 238 strikeouts. And only, even with only nine wins, even with the challenge DRA and just nine wins, he was unquestionably still a positive pitcher to have on your team. Let's assume a, a similar ball next year. Where do you draft Matthew Boyd? He's an interesting question because you look at some of those underlying statistics and you go, man, if they had a better defense behind oh him. Oh, my God. But And that's exactly what we talked about mm-hmm. coming into the year with regards to Matthew Boyd tricked. and Michael Fuller. We got tricked. I know. And then I thought, well, you know what? If you don't. If you don't put the ball in play, if they just mm-hmm. strike out all the time, the defense doesn't matter. 
but that eventually came home to roost. And it was, it is like, you know, you can't outrun it forever. Although some of it is not the defense. They can't catch the balls in the stands. That's not allowed. Well, not if you don't jump very high. You can't, you can't put Victor Reyes in the center field bushes to catch the ball. The Astros uh, will try when this. It goes. <laughs> they, oh, and Jake Marisnik stands up from the seventh row and he catches the ball. He was out there. We didn't know where the center fielder was and he was in the yeah, stands. It's weird. We it, don't know if this is legal, but they're counting it as an out. It appears the Astros are only playing with two outfielders on the field. Where is Jake Marisnik? Oh, there he is. He was in He was in the bullpen the whole time. He caught that. It's not a home run. Game over. Uh, yeah, maybe the Tigers should employ that then for Matthew Boyd and just go with one outfielder, Victor Reyes, taking all the space, put the left and right fielders in the stands and see if they can prevent some of his homers. Um, homers have always, 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 always been a problem. This was not a ball thing. So even if the ball was neutral... I don't think you could really tank his home run number. You could lower it from 1.9 for Matthew Boyd, but it's just part of his game. Um, you know, when when you're so breaking ball dependent with the slider, you're going to hang some. And and I, I, yeah, this fastball gives up plenty too, even though he improved the velocity. Basically, the only thing that could really change it, in my estimation, would be drastically improved fastball command. He can control it. Like, he'll fill the zone, but he does not command it very well. And I don't think at 29 that he's going to revolutionize it. So I think you put him for, like, a 425 to 430 ERA, tons of strikeouts, and a quality whip because he's not going to – in fact, that's exactly what the steamer is. It's 431-121 with a 26% strikeout rate for Matthew Boyd. So are you still open to drafting him, even knowing that the ERA will be challenged by the homers? Yeah, I mean, isn't he the same thing as, like, Lamette? I mean, yeah. he's a guy who's going to give up homers. The only the only difference for me with him is pitching in Detroit. Like, I don't think there's any chance they take him out of their rotation. I was so, yeah, I was going to say I your concern with Lamette is bullpen, mm-hmm. and that's not happening. Like, he's not. Yeah. And and there's also the possibility of Boyd getting traded out of Detroit into a better situation. Yeah, I th- and I think it's uh, I think while the steamer projections seem fairly accurate to me i think they're a bit low in terms of the strikeouts i mean in the first half he had a 32 percent strikeout strikeout rate uh in the second half he had a 28 percent strikeout rate so why are they projecting him <laughs> to have below that second half well, they're projecting what 26 percent 26 yeah yeah so I, well because they're factoring in previous years well that's dumb and and it it was a big spike, but it was it was a merited spike based on the vast improvement of of Matthew Boyd's slider. Exactly. So that's that's where it came from. I think I would take that projection, bump up the strikeouts, you know, maybe give him another twenty strikeouts for the year, uh, and feel pretty damn good about that. Uh, especially if I'm preparing for that in draft. So you you pair him with a guy that uh, is. I have the give- perfect pairing. Granky. Oh, that's a good one. I was thinking super young Granky. Mike Soroka. Oh, well, I mean, Mike Soroka pairs well with anybody. Well, that's true. I like how we uh, and I, uh, we think of pitchers like uh, like wine and, and food pairings. Mm-hmm. 
We're like, oh, he pairs brilliantly with a mic, with a with a, a brisk Mike Soroka. <laughs> the the oaky hints of a uh, home run suppression and no strikeouts go you, very uh, well. Were you upset about Andrew Baggerly uh, giving Soroka nope. a first place vote? Nope. I honestly, I was. I would have voted he, for Alonso. I would have voted for I, Soroka. And I, I have no problem with that. Um, and I agreed with the the people on Twitter that were saying stop focusing on that. No one cares about unanimous. Alonzo won. If you were an Alonzo guy, just focus on that and shut the hell up because it doesn't matter. But Andrew Bagley was perfectly within reason to vote for him. You are perfectly within reason to vote for him. Mike Soroka was freaking brilliant, dude. 175 innings of 268 and 111. You cannot, with, with fucking conscience, say that he does not have every bit of a case. In fact... You could almost start to cry that it, it shouldn't have been ninety nine percent to one. Yeah, it, it shouldn't you know, have if, been if such you, a landslide. Be uh, careful, Alonzo, folks, because if you shine too much light on this, you're going to expose your own guys maybe not being the rightful winner. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I do not agree with anybody crying and carrying on about that. Uh, I Baggerly backed himself, and and he was he wrote was a great well article. within reason. Yeah, knew he was going to get lambasted for it, of course, and wrote which a is fantastic stupid. article. Uh, that he has must read over at the athletic uh, on why he did what he did. Uh, and honestly, I, I kind of agree with, you know, what you started to say there, which is I, it's surprising to me that he Soroka didn't get more love. Uh, yeah. in, in, and don't get me wrong. I mean, all top three guys had amazing years. And, yeah, and, and if Tatis had played more, he'd have really yeah, mucked this up. If Tatis had and, yeah, and made finished it, out the year as – you know, Oof. I mean, it, it could have been a really interesting uh, race there. Uh, ultimately, you know, awesome for Pete Alonzo, well-deserved. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Soroka was unreal. And, and, and as a fantasy... Every bit is good. Like, the, the price on Soroka has gone up considerably, and I don't think it's gone up enough. No, I, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a big Soroka guy here. And, I'm, listen, I know he doesn't strike out but i mean just think about the two guys that you just comped uh lament and boyd and you have your own issues with lament but you take a guy like that right off the bat to to go with soroka and that cancels out that that major strikeout concern let alone you could have already done it with with somebody else if you drafted a frontliner like a garrett cole or or max scherzer and you're pairing him with soroka like that can be combated with the rest of your team makeup I think sometimes, actually a lot of times, we focus way too much on what guys don't do when they're going to be part of uh, your whole team makeup. So no, he does not strike out anywhere near the level of, of so many guys these days. But there's so many guys that can make up for Soroka's strikeouts. I'm focused on elite whip, strong ERA, even if I'm regressing the, the 268, which I am. I'm probably regressing it to like a mid threes at the highest because uh, I do believe in his home run suppression capabilities. Even if I move those up a bit to 0.8.9, that's fine. If you give me a, a 190 innings of like a 340 with a 115 whip, boatload of wins on a quality team, or you know at least a chance at a solid you know mid teens win count, and uh, and, and volume of strikeouts helps too, right? If 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 he does make it 
and stays healthy. And obviously these projections are always that the guys stay healthy and pitches 190, maybe 200. He'll cancel out. Sorokin will cancel out some of his strikeout deficiency by rate with pure volume, which is what guys like um, Adam Wainwright did in, in his day, Chris Carpenter, Roy Halladay. And at the end of the day, the volume is what matters. And so, cause almost no leagues really use K rates so if if he is getting 200 innings, then I'm even less concerned about his his strikeout rate. So no, I love Soroka. I'm going to be f- fully in on him this year, even at the uh, increased price. All right, let's move on then. Uh, and now the strikeout guys I highlighted were Lamette, Boyd. We talked about them plenty. 11.3 for Lamette, 10.0 for Boyd. Uh, I want to talk about two teammates in Milwaukee. Freddie Peralta at 10.9, which, by the way, this is minimum 150 innings, guys. So Steamer has him as a relatively full-time starter in a 10.9K per nine. And Brandon Woodruff, 10.0. I love talking about Woodruff in general because I'm a big fan. But I want to bring him up in particular because I was listening to a previous version of Under the Radar podcast, the Ringer podcast with Nando DeFino, Ian Khan, who recently joined the me athletic. on an episode, and Derek Van Riper, The Athletic. What did I say? The Ringer. I'm an idiot. The Athletic. The Athletic. And it's called Under the Radar. And uh, they were talking about DVR's early rankings and where he had Brandon Woodruff 15th, and Nando and Ian were like, whoa, what are you doing there? Where I was like, hell yeah, go DVR, because I love Brandon Woodruff. So I want to speak about him first, and then we'll move over to Peralta. Oh, for a second there, I thought Obviously, you were saying he had Peralta at 15. No, 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 like, no, no. No, no, DVR has got to stop drinking during the day. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to too many Packers tailgates. No, he had Woodruff at 15, which is in, – in, first I'm thing okay he said, like, I, I know you don't have to pay that price, and and that's fine, but I, I'm putting my flag on, on a guy that I believe can be a fantasy ace is what he was saying, which I agree with. And, yeah, he only threw 122 last year because of that oblique injury. But he was great, and I loved him coming into the year. So I'm inclined to buy in on this notion that he can be a uh, a, a top 15 guy. And you say you are as well. Brandon Woodruff for you. Again, obviously you don't have to draft him there. Where are you looking to draft a Brandon Woodruff? I took him in the 10th round of, of the 12-teamer that we're in. He's and my he went in the 8th in our league to yeah. DVR. He, I mean, he. I, I took him as my SP3 behind Bieber and Flaherty. Uh, I felt love that. Really, really good about it. Uh, a little bummed that uh, you know, and Alex, Alex Fast then jumped on Zach Gallen. So I, I think that you're just probably gonna have to make a decision between. I was just like Soroka, say, go Woodruff, or... and, and and Gallen. So yeah, uh, you're not gonna be able to pair those guys unless you start taking them. Yeah, unless much you start pushing them the up. Uh, but I don't have a problem with doing that either. Like. If if I left, like let's say I decided to not like in this draft to not take a starter until the eighth round, I would have been fine taking Mike Soroka, Woodruff, and Gallon eight you know eight nine ten, and having just a loaded offense. Dude, yeah, your offense would be so dumb if you took like six hitters and Josh Hader, and then and then went those three starters. That'd be, you know, it's, there's some risk to it, but again, your offense is so stacked and you just live in the middle tier of pitching and, and then add like a Montas and, and a Max Freed and a Luke Weaver and a Lance McCullers. And again, not a lot of stability there, but that's kind of the point is to 
you know, play the middle and, and spike some stuff there and take the stability at the front end with your hitting. That is interesting. But I love Woodruff. I love a guy who's got a great fastball, um, not just in terms of velocity, but in, ter- in terms of performance, command and control of it. And he does have the slider and the changeup as well. The changeup isn't very good, and it wasn't very good this year. It's an offering that that he can go to um, in terms of volume, you know, that that 10 to 14%. So it is a legit third pitch in that realm, but it's not that good. And I don't want to pretend that it is. So he's primarily a two-pitch guy, but you still have to keep the changeup in mind at least. And if he can improve that, then I really do think if there if there's a path to improvement on the changeup, then Brandon Woodruff could really go sky high. But even with just fastball, slider, and changeup as more of a show-me, I really like him, and I didn't have a problem with DVR putting his putting his stamp on it, saying this is my guy here. And, and no, you of, don't. I'm gonna say a lot of people point out are gonna point out that he only threw 121 innings last year, but I think you correctly pointed out that it was an oblique injury, and I'd much rather him having suffered an oblique injury than an elbow or a shoulder. Exactly. And so exactly. I don't have a problem with them projecting 183 innings, uh, and I think I think their their kind of projection up to a four ERA is. is uh, a, a miscalculation. I think he's probably more like a, a 3-7 with, you know, 10 strikeouts per nine and, and uh, you know, the, the, the nice whip that we saw last year. Uh, and, again, a guy who could finish within the top 15 but isn't going to be drafted that way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot with rankings of like, do you rank a guy where you're going to draft him or how you feel about him? DVR will put his money where his mouth is, though, and, and he's now taken him in several of the drafts that he's done, knowing that he has to jump at a particular point, but it doesn't have to be top 15. Let's move over to Peralta really quickly because he is an interesting guy with regards to, you know, I just said how much I like guys with good fastballs. That is definitely his calling card, but that's all he's got. Like, that's literally all he's got. That, the curve is basically a show me, and then a change is non-existent. And so it does make it tough for him to really find consistent success when if the fastball is not working at its peak that day, what does he go to? Nothing. Steamer has him for a buck 65, a 440 RA, 133 whip, and then a 28% strikeout rate. Yeah, I just... Uh... Uh, he needs to be in the bullpen. (laughs) I keep saying this about guys, but uh, I I think he's going to have to just be out of the bullpen or, or he's got to find a second pitch Mm -hmm. that is actually, you know, decent. Um, And it doesn't have to be good. It just has to be decent. Uh, I mean, let's, let's look at what is the, what is the Brewers rotation? Are they going to be willing to spend, money in the offseason because i think that's what it comes down to i think they've shown themselves willing to understand that this is a window that they're in and while they're not going to be in on cole or strasburg wheeler could be a fit for them odorizzi could be a fit for them hunjin ryu yeah i think odorizzi is like the like kind of perfect example of what uh what they they should do is is go go sign odorizzi to you know a three-year deal um and so Woodruff, Odorizzi at the top, and then you got Hauser, Davies, Peralta, our boy Jimmy Nelson still trying to trying to work himself back into into relevance there. The Corbin is, Burns you, is yeah, still do, there. Do you throw yeah? Do you throw a twenty three year old Peralta back into the bullpen or back into the minors? 
you know, Nelson is either – I think Nelson's in that rotation. Unless Peralta comes to spring with a, with a second pitch, I think you do put him in the bullpen. But you use him. You understand that, hey – Multi-inning role. You can do multi-innings because mm-hmm. we, we like you for one time through, but we can't even get two, two times through with just a fastball. Days. Davies stuff isn't isn't gonna play as well, in the and he's a capable starter, man. Yeah. C- credit to Davies, thirty one starts, hundred sixty innings of a three fifty five. He's now been under four every year, but twenty eighteen when it was an injury riddled sixty six innings for a four seventy seven. Um, you know his skills give him like a a mid fours fit consistently, but he beats that with what he's able to do. He's a finesse guy. We don't love him on the fantasy landscape because he couldn't strike me out, but. <laughs> You know, everything else really does seem to work pretty well for him. Especially in that and, environment. Like, he, he's made it work in Milwaukee, which has been impressive. Yeah, so I think he's in the in the rotation. I don't have a problem with that. So I, I think Peralta should be shifted into into that, you know, two-inning role as a, as a righty. And on some of those times when, you know, a Nelson – and a Hauser, because you have a lot of guys here who who aren't always going six seven. Wood, that's one thing I loved about Woodruff too. By the way, before the injury in particular, he was a workhorse type. He was regularly going deep into games. Um, he went he went six in twelve of his twenty two starts, but almost all of the other ten starts were after he returned. Yeah, I mean he yeah he he went. At least six innings in what? Uh, yeah, seven straight starts before that injury. So, and that's when he was really clicking. If you look, by the way, for Woodruff's uh, season, he started off slow ERA wise, but skills were there, and it was he was unlucky for sure. He had a five seventeen ERA in April, and he was pitching way better than that. And then uh, the run leading into the. In, into the injury, and uh, I'll go from May 3rd to July 16th. 2.92 ERA for 83 and a third innings with 95 strikeouts, where he was under six innings, one, two times, just two times, and uh, and then the three inning outing that didn't go right, and then that was the oblique injury. And so, um, yeah, I love I love him as the frontliner. Odorizzi, I think, fits well there. I liked what, some of the stuff that Hauser did, by the way, too. I do think Peralta needs to be a bullpen guy. You know, there's an interesting... I just can't think of Hauser without thinking of him throwing up on the mound. Twice. Twice. He's done it two different times. It's just hilarious. You know, once you show a skill, you own it. <laughs> Very well played. I liked that a lot. Uh, all right, let's move on to some of these uh, just interesting guys in the 80 to 150 range. And uh, we're going to kind of rapid fire through them because we are getting a little little long here on the show. Brendan McKay, 397 ERA, 123 whip, 9.8 strikeouts. We know the number one question will be innings because he's a Tampa Bay Ray. But how do you feel about Brendan McKay? Is he somebody that you're looking to put on some rosters or, or not yet? Not yet. Not with the Tampa Bay experience being <laughs> controlling his fate. I just uh, I, I think he is a very interesting pitcher. I think – from a straight skills perspective, I think he is uh, very talented, and at some point he is going to be a very uh, valuable fantasy player. But right now, uh, I just don't trust the the Rays. So, in in ten and twelve team leagues, he's that guy who could be on three, four different teams because you just can't keep him throughout the year. 
you make that difficult cut because he's in the bullpen or in the minors. Somebody else picks him up. They get three, four good starts, pass him on to the next one. Plus, there's the hitting component, too, right? We don't know how much they're going to use him as a hitter. Uh, he does have kind of that, you know, that, that two-way capability. Uh, I'm actually looking right now to see what's his hitting. No, he only batted 11 times. So I don't know how much they're looking to use him a- as a hitter, but they do have that just they mucking things up hitters. even more. Yeah, with uh, Yeah, and and by the way, we talked about this last show, but the, uh, the Howie Kendrick stuff's heating up even further with them, and that's just another guy to go play every position for them. Okay, so that's Brendan McKay. Let's go to Lance McCullers Jr., Who's this is another one where if you're drafting early, if you're in these uh draft and hold, these draft champions leagues that count, draft him now because the price is only going to go up. And once he really, you know, gets back and, and shows um that he's healthy, or you know, at least healthy enough to start the season. We know Lance McCullers Jr. is always a health risk, but I think his price is gonna skyrocket. Yeah. Right now, he looks it's pretty so cheap. Have you seen you've, the, you've seen the videos, right? It's just yes. Uh, yes, and and he's so nasty. Porn. Yeah, you just don't don't watch it at work. You, you'll get fired. <laughs> you'll get in trouble. The, yeah. the the numbers they give him are three eighty two, one thirty nine point seven on the strikeouts. Um, is he somebody that you're looking to put on your rosters? I, I mean, it'll it'll be very contextual with my team. There's obviously a ton of risk with him. We have no idea uh, how many innings to even project with a guy like. Uh, I think just put him for the one twenty that he's been getting a year removed I, I mean i don't even know if he gets that and oh yeah no he will because the when he had the tommy john for mccullers 16 month before he's even back on without costing him any season uh it caught you know it cost him the full 2019 but he's going to be ready and raring to go in march and that's going to be i think 16 that months. likes to move guys back and forth between starting and bullpen and they did that with him. That's why he always struggled getting. Uh, but that's why he got 120. I'm just giving him 120. Yeah, I, I, what I, are you I, putting him for? 60? I don't know what to put him for. That's the problem. <laughs> like I have nah, no I, idea. I, like I, as long as the price is cheap, like it is right now, I'm gonna grab him and I'll figure out what to do with him when when the Astros do. Uh, but like you said, as the price goes up, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bail out. Steamer gives him a buck forty-seven. That's aggressive. Um, he's never come close to that. Yeah. And so I'm not doing that, but I'm giving him a one twenty, and so I'm I'm fine with it. Um, McCullers, stay tuned on the price again. If you like him, go sign up for some draft uh, draft champions at NFBC and get your shares now before the price really skyrockets because yeah. it will go up as the winter progresses, uh, barring any sort of negative news, of course. Jesus Lazardo, big fan of Jesus Lizard. <laughs> 396, 126, 9.2. Got him in my draft, as I mentioned earlier. Going to be wanting to get shares all over. I'm a huge fan. What say you, good sir, on Mr. Lozardo in Oakland? I mean, I, I think this is going to be a huge year for him. Uh, I, I, You know, obviously the A's are going to – I mean, I, I say obviously. They're going to start with him in the rotation, right? Like, no reason I not to – I think that they should, yes. And – I think at worst it, it would be one of those really quick ones where we're talking mid mid April. I, I I don't think that this would get dragged out. Well, he's already got now, service time though, so he it, does. It, it wouldn't be mid April. It would be it'd be mid May, right? 
Oh yeah. Because you got to add in the fact that he's already accrued service time. So I don't know. I think that they're too good th- to mess with it. Yeah, I, I think. And they they know they're not paying him anyway on the line. So what do they care? That's a pretty <laughs> tr- fun rotation too. It, it, dude, they always have such fun teams. You've picked the wrong Bay Area team to be. A, oh no, you didn't. You have three titles. Shut up. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say, just forty three innings last year though. Health was a was an issue for Lozardo. What do we project him for with innings? Now, Steamer gives him a buck forty-four. What do you say on that? I uh, that's hard because I really want to project him for more than that. Yeah, and he only had one. He only had one ten in twenty eighteen for Lazardo. So maybe his see. innings are are more challenged than even somebody like uh, like McCullers. Or they say this is the year that the rains peel back a bit and. and we got to give you, you know, we got to see if you can go 140 something at some point. I think he could be like a paddock, right? Paddock came off of a year where he hadn't thrown over 100 and he threw 141 last year. I think that's an interesting comparison for Jesus Lazardo. And I, I think this is the year they have to go for it because yep. Simeon is a free agent, Hendricks is a free agent. Um, uh, Olsen's price is going up. Uh, Fears is a free agent. Uh, yeah, Olsen's price is going up. Chapman's price is going up. Montaz's price is going up because they're all ARB eligible for the first time next year. Like, this is the time you make the run for it, right? So yeah. Yeah. Uh, give it to Lazardo, and, you know, maybe they maybe they kind of skip some starts middle of the year and stuff like that to – uh, you know, give him kind of the paddock treatment and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Full on paddock. What one trip to the minors, uh, yeah. a, a, an extended skip here and there. But I other than that, I think you got to push 140. 140 and anything on top of it is cake. And right now the price is going to go up. Uh, but right now the price isn't out of, you know, out of bounds for, to go grab him. He went 12th in mine. Lazardo went 12th in yours. There we go. 12, 12 there. To Frank Stamp, and so, who put together a really, really nice pitching staff in, in my league. Scherzer, Nola, uh, Soroka, Soroka Lazardo, Weaver, Roman, Gray. That's nice with uh, Osuna and Neris as his closers. That is a really nice pitching rotation. And like I said, I got him in my league. Uh, I like Jesus Lazardo. A couple of Dodgers. Always going to be projected well. Innings are always a question. We'll just say that out front. We have no idea. That's why they're in the 80 to 150 range. Julio Urias, 402-131-9.6, and Ross Stripling, 404-125-8.5. We love Ross Stripling, but at this point, I'm even less convinced that he's going to get anything more than a a spell here and there as a starter. So I can't can't go aggressive on him as I have in past years and just say, I'm going to draft the skills and the innings will figure themselves out. Well, uh, the only thing I will say, though, I'll contradict myself real quickly, they are losing Ryu, and I, I and don't Rich know if they're going to – and Rich Hill. So it's it's Buer, Kershaw, Maeda. Dustin May is going to figure into the picture for sure, but Urias and and Stripling might finally have their shots here. Now they still have – yeah, I mean they still have other guys in the minor leagues that could come of up course. at some point. May, uh, Gonsolin. the move back to the 15-day DL or IL uh, – makes it harder for them to play the games that they were playing. Dude, with I a, totally forgot that. Yeah, with a 10-day That's IL. happening? Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. I totally sure. forgot. There's that. a whole panel on it. Uh, no, I think you're 100 percent right. And, I just uh, completely it was forgot my that, that was happening. Uh, <laughs> uh, at uh, at FPAS. So, uh, uh, God, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, Walton. Uh, Brian Walton did a, a nice little piece or a nice little uh, uh, talk on it. So, uh, I think while it won't affect a lot of people, it's one good for fantasy in general, and two, it will affect the Dodgers because they won't be able to yeah. play the games oh. they've been playing. They so, played so much. So many games. Uh, I think uh, I've I think I've gotten uh, Urias in every draft I've done so far, every draft and every mock. Okay. Um, I just the price and the skills kind of give me uh, give me uh, a feeling like this could be a pop year for him, especially if he's full time yep. in the rotation. I mean, the stuff is obviously there. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to give him a full time shot in the rotation. So, I think he we was. Can, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I just think he's a guy that if he could get 150 innings, um, he could be, you know, he could return like second, third round value. Urias or Heaney? Ooh, that's a really good question. Because Urias was literally my number one guy before we started talking, and I, and I noticed that Heaney was available and, and put him on my list. Uh, I th- as far as I think I'm gonna go Heaney only because I tr- I I know the Angels would keep him in the rotation as long as he's healthy. Yeah, his health. That's the only. Uh, he's not gonna the, get the... messed with. Whereas exactly. Urias's track or Dodger track record with Urias has been they're okay. They like him in the bullpen too. Exactly. Okay. No, that that's fair. I think. Plus, uh, I think I you think... can get Urias in the next round. So take Heaney for now certainty. And, yeah. Heaney. It. it, it, it even as question as he is health-wise, his certainty in the rotation is is uh, more well-regarded. Does Stripling get a real chance? I think so. What, what I mean, can you put his innings at? He'll be twenty. He'll be thirty, by the way. He's not a young guy. He didn't even debut until twenty-six, and he's never been bad. Literally never. He has three hundred eighty-seven innings of a three fifty-one one twenty, uh, with just under a strikeout per inning at three hundred seventy-seven strikeouts. He's just a damn fine pitcher. He's a great arm for a team to have right he had 15 starts and 17 uh relief appearances last year so he's a great hybrid for a ball club still only got 90 and two-thirds because a lot of those starts were opens um but annoying for fantasy because his role is so uncertain but i still love the skills and now that they are losing two guys now they could sign somebody too and muck it yeah. right back up I th- as long as but, they don't sign someone i like both these guys yeah uh, me too and so, uh, you know, especially like right now, both our prices are really low. I mean, Stripling went in the 17th round of, uh, of my mock. Uh, has he, I doubt he's even gone in your mock because no. you guys are, no. you know, so, uh, I mean that, that there's no real price attached to him right now. So, I mean, would you rather have Ross Stripling or John Gray? Well, I'll take the upside on Stripling. You know, I, I would too. I, I just, or Joey Lucchese. I take Stripling. I'll take Stripling. I like Lucchese. Yeah, I mean, but uh, now I think this year uh, maybe Gonsolin and Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May fill in the Stripling and Urias roles of uncertainty, talent but uncertain, and maybe Stripling and Urias get a little bit more of the Maeda role, which is still has that the challenge because Maeda is always pushed to the bullpen late. But at least you you feel more confident about Maeda getting uh, at least a buck thirty every year before things start to get get hairy. I think these two guys hopefully will get the buck 30 this year 
and then we'll kind of figure it out, uh, you know, at different points in the season if their innings are being manipulated. But I don't know that they're going to be on the 90 side this year, Stripling and Urias. I think that they're actually Stripling and Urias and Maeda and May will probably all get like 135. That would work. That would work. I mean, the fact that it is those guys, uh, you know, in roles to to kind of keep their all their innings uh, somewhat down, so that way they're fresh for the postseason. And yeah, I mean, they they have enough talent to where they don't need to buy somebody. but they they probably will be in on both the big dogs and then even the There's secondary been reports guy. that they're not going to spend money in free agency that they're going to kind of well, stand pat we'd love that particularly for their pitching because it would leave stripling and Arias with a real opportunity to finally log I mean, um, how much can rich hill really cost though that, that's the thing like the, the, you know and rich Hill's Ryu, gonna, to be honest they could bring both I back mean, someone's going to pay Ryu. i hope i hope a, he deserves it, and B, get him out of that and get, open up for our guys. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even though I like Hunjin Rio too, like he's a damn good pitcher. Like, but like uh, Texas go open up the wall or something for that. That's where he's being linked. Yep, Texas. Oh, is he? Okay, that's, yeah, that was a good call. call. <laughs> Texas uh, is being linked. You know, they're they're looking to have a big off season. Something like a Rendon Rio would be pretty darn big. They're opening that um, new stadium. You know exactly, and and they have and they have a little bit of a foundation already, so it would make sense to get two big pieces like that to go with what they've got, see what you can do. Obviously, chasing down the Astros will be difficult, but that doesn't mean you stop trying. Uh, all right, our last guy here, Mitch Keller. We've mentioned uh, Nick Pollock a little bit already today. Uh, I'll use that to mention that he loves Mitch Keller. He's a very big fan. He mentioned him at his uh, first pitch Arizona panel. He's been talking him up wherever he can. I gave him a little love in my, uh, in my closer look at the Pirates as the the pitching prospect to make an impact this year it's it's not hard to see why nick is interested now you'll go look if you're unfamiliar with what he did this year 713 era and 183 whip and you might say the hell is wrong with nick pollock <laughs> lots of however i will tell you yes many things can't get into all of them right now but mitch keller love is not necessarily one of them because go look at the game log this was the ultimate hit or miss he was either crushing fools or absolutely getting tanked. It, it's so crazy. I, I don't think I've seen a more disparate set of starts among uh, a player ever. For, basically, it was 11 starts, but we'll, we'll look at 10 of them because one was one and two-thirds. And he hadn't given up a hit, and he struck out three. I don't know if it was an open or if there was rain. or, or No, actually, I think he had a, uh, an injury. Yes, because I asked Nick about that. It was an injury. So let's look at the other 10 and just talk about the earned runs for Mitch Keller. 8, 6, 6, 6, 5, 2, 2, 1, 1, 1. 1. Sorry, 3, 1. Did I say 1, 1, 1? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2, 2, 1, 1, 1. So 5 great, 5 awful. What do you what do you make of that with Mitch Keller, and how do you feel about the 24-year-old going into next year? It's so. I mean, he's got the prospect pedigree that makes you want to buy in, in the same way that I wish I had bought in on like Tyler Glass now and stuff. Oh, I struggle with it because there are times when you watch him pitch, he, like you said, he's either on or he's not, uh, and when he's not, he's really, really not. And I just don't know that we're going to get that level of consistency that makes him super interesting. Uh, I mean, here's the one thing I will say. I don't think 
the steamer projections is far off outside of I don't think they give him enough credit for his strikeout ability. So okay. I think he is a very usable piece and going way too late in the drafts and mocks that I've been in uh, because he's really not being drafted in most 12-team formats at this point. Mm-hmm. Unless fit, Nick's in the league. Yeah, in some 15 teams. Has he already taken him? <laughs> Take him not yet, round, but but he will. Um, well, let's see. Did he take him in your league? Oh no, he's in my league. He's, he's in my in league. league. He has not taken him yet, but you know, you know, he's looking. Someone, uh, Alex Fast, took him in my league, um, in, the, in the twentieth round. So I think unless you're in a league with them, he's not going in a twelve-team league, which makes him a pretty interesting gamble. In the same vein that, like, and I, I hate to make this comp because. It's it's very very unfair to him in the same way that Lucas Giolito popped last year. So like I yeah. I don't think he can pop that far, but I think he can have that that kind of this guy wasn't drafted and all of a sudden he's my SP three type thing. Yeah, I I mean, again, I I really do see the upside here. This was this was a guy that because I wasn't focused on him in season, I loved him when I saw him at fall league prospect i liked i didn't see him in season so i looked at the numbers and i and i did make that first rash judgment of like oh what's going on i guess he sucked in his first go round. didn't necessarily discard him but certainly didn't generate the hype that that nick was until he pushed me to look deeper now i'm like oh yeah nick's nick's on to something here and at the cost this is worth jumping in on so mitch keller is definitely somebody that that i like and I, I do think that you could draft super late and he can end up being a key component to your team when you don't need to get anything out of him because the draft cost is such that it doesn't matter. But the fact is you could pop a really nice starter here. So I agree with you there. I and I'll be interested to see what he can do. The, the the Pirates have decent framers too. So I think like that could definitely benefit. And they have a whole new regime. If mm-hmm. a pitching coach comes in and has some ideas – of how to really maximize like a Joe Musgrove and a Mitch Keller. I, I'm still fully in on Musgrove. Uh, maybe he's got some plans for like a Chris Archer who might be a little bit better than you think. I, I wrote about him in the in the closer look thing too because, well, he kind of is. It, only in that his second half was better than you probably think. 442 ERA, 129 whip, 31% strikeout. Not doing backflips to, to get a 442 ERA, but... People are going to look at the 519, 141 and discard Archer. And it that might not be the right move, particularly for like a 15-teamer, which you and I play more of. Anyway, I'm much more excited about Musgrove and Keller. And uh, so yeah, hats, so I was about hats to, off. I was to about Nick to say, Keller. like, wouldn't you rather have Mitch, Kel- Mitch sure. Keller five rounds later than, than Chris uh, Yeah, if not, if not even more yeah. rounds than that. Like, if Nick or Alex is not in your league, I mean, Mitch Keller, you can basically just play chicken till – the end of the draft mm-hmm. um at least until the winter or at least until the the spring when maybe enough articles at pitcher list and even some hype uh, on our shows like ours starts to push him up he'll be that until guy that then, you pick up in the second week of the season and and you know then he goes on a run yeah i mean like 10 teamers if they don't have a deep reserve they're not going to draft mitch keller and it's understandable i'm not even Criticizing, I'm just saying, but then you put that little star by and you put him on your watch list. And like you said, second week, you're like, okay, now's the time to jump. And he is going to do what uh, what Nick Pollock and company were saying. So, all right, we'll end with that. 
uh, talking some pictures there. Hopefully, we get some free agent moves to talk about. But if not, we'll st- we'll keep finding stuff to talk about. It's all right. We'll we'll figure it out. I think we're gonna do two hours on Adam Wainwright later. Yeah, yeah. A special a special pod, right? Uh, yeah. His five million dollar deal because I mean, it it must be done. And and Tyler Flowers, right? Should we do a duel or should we do two separate? Uh, well, I mean, I think we should do an hour each. Okay. On on Wainwright Flowers, and then like, don't don't forget Nick Markakis, man, signing. Bro. Like that. And Darren O'Day. I don't want to yeah. sleep on Darren O'Day, man. It's just, you know, Atlanta. We're, Atlanta's it, just spending Atlanta. money. They are really driving this offseason, dude. <laughs> they have dropped $10.25 million, and they're just letting people know well, that they're here it's to win. because their GM talked to all those teams and did that research. Exactly. Anthopolis really got out there and did, and did that research. Anyway, it's great talking with you. Um, I'm not sure exactly when the next episode will be. I, I might do one by myself later this week, but uh, I will talk to you later, good sir. Take it easy.